Hello, everyone, and welcome to NGF News. My name is Alec, and we have Joshua Cheatham on the line as well. Uh, today, we're going to be having two latest global developments. Uh, we're going to be talking about Israel Hamas um, and how the international community can stop the bloodshed. And we're also going to be talking about um, India and their crackdown uh, slash raid homes, uh, raiding homes of uh, Sikh separatists. Um, as a reminder, please follow us on all our social medias, NGF News. Um, as well as visit our website. We have a bunch of blog posts for you uh, for you all to enjoy uh, reading. So very informative analysis based. None of that just news only stuff. But we try to make our we try to make our blog posts more more interesting, more enticing for um, everyone to read. So yeah, uh, first we're going to start with um, India continuing to raid homes of the Sikh separatists, and then we'll talk about Israel Hamas because of how much there is to discuss for um, Israel Hamas. So. Uh, let's uh, let's go into the uh, Sikh separatists. So India's uh, National Investigation Agency has conducted raids at 53 different locations across seven states in uh, India, um, targeting what they are calling terrorists and gangsters, um, some allegedly linked to the Sikh separatist groups. Um, the NIA, is what we're going to call them, uh, seized firearms, ammo, digital devices, and pro-raids detaining individuals suspected of having the pro-Khalistan uh, that have connections to pro-Khalistan groups, which is, uh, which advocate for a Sikh homeland in the Punjab, Punjab region of India. So this has been an interesting development, and obviously you've seen the news uh, in recent weeks about how there was a Sikh separate, there was a Sikh uh, man, Canadian man, British Columbia, that was murdered, and uh, Justin Trudeau, the president of uh, Canada or the Prime Minister of Canada stated that they uh, these attacks of the murder were linked to India. President Modi has since stated that that is not true. And we have discussed a lot about India in recent weeks because of their you know uh, headlines in the international community. This is another one. Um, Modi is trying to create, uh, and this is factual evidence. This is not a claim. It's online everywhere by all scholars. That they are trying to create a Hindu-based India, which means that there are no other religions. Now, they're not ethnic cleansing people yet. That's a statement. That is not true. That is not factual evidence yet. But India has been raiding homes. They've raided 53 homes, like you said, across seven states and union territories. So their goal is to basically create the Hindu state. And this is a there's a large Muslim population within India. So this is creating a little bit of a, a dilemma between the national community, uh, especially the United States, is becoming friendlier with India, and also it is creating popularity within India. Uh, they're, they're, they're majority Hindu, I think, 70, 73%, 70% plus Hindu. And Modi keeps growing in popularity over time. And so this is going to be even more scary in the future because like I, I suggested and noted to, we could start seeing potential ethnic cleansing of Muslims in India if they keep if they go too far. I'm not saying that they will go too far, but at the moment, what we are seeing is them trying to get rid of what they call Sikh separatists. That could just be just Muslims trying to live. Um, the exact figure is almost. Um less than the the Sikhs make up less than two percent of the Indian population um and Hindus make 98 percent but um That's you right. said that, that that it might get to the point of um kind of ethnic cleansing and I think Modi as 
I, as like extreme he is on, on the situation with with the Sikhs, I think he will never resort to kind of ethnic cleansing. But what he will do is always suppress um, any kind of attempt in having these uh, these Sikhs seeking greater autonomy in the region. Um, he will not accept that at, at any at any point. Yeah, he will, as you said, wants a all Hindu population, and he will do it whatever he can to stop the Sikhs from getting their own kind of um, their own kind of autonomous region. And there hasn't been really an active kind of insurgency um, from these uh, Sikhs, or they haven't had many kind of. There hasn't been like a violent outbreak, um, a, a violent kind of cause, if I do remember. But it's just Modi kind of just trying to suppress and have that not be kind of. I think what Modi's trying to do is he's trying to prevent Khalistan from being a thing um, because it will affect um, the way the international community kind of sees sees India. Now, if they have a um, a group that is seeking autonomy and it, it might be used as a bargaining chip for other countries to say, hey, we're not going to work with you because you're treating your people uh, people wrongly and Modi Modi what he's trying to do is he said he's going to be like what people I don't know what you're talking about he's trying to use that uh, as um, he's trying to prevent that being used as kind of um, a reason to go against uh, not working with um, Modi and I'm very surprised that the United States has been very silent on this issue um, in a majority of countries um, India does not want Khalistan to be in kind of negotiations for uh, for anything, so yeah, I'm I'm very surprised that the uh, international kind of community resp responses to kind of ignoring um, the the suppression of the Sikhs uh, in India. It's very sad. Yeah, it is very sad for sure, and it's going to cause a lot of dilemmas in the future with a lot of allies. That are, uh, especially the Western allies, uh, Europe and the United States, uh, a lot of policy analysts have recently been discussing, and in the foreign affairs I was listening to, how the United States is trying to ignore those political uh, or those political things that are going on within India because they they feel like they have a strong relationship and they want to have a strong relationship for security reasons within the South China Sea and Asia. So that is the, really the most important aspect for the United States right now is the security alliance. And so they're ignoring a lot of the political things that are going on in India, and that is, I think, going to continue to happen. And I wonder if it's the goal of the United States to get that to get security alliances in first and then kind of deal with um, everything else. Uh, I'm not sure what, what strategy the United States is going here, but... It, it'll it'll show to the international community that uh, people that want to work with India um, are not too worried about human lives. And I think the problem with the international community is that we've had a massive disregard uh, of human lives, and we see these with conflicts just everywhere around the world, where the where the international community is too focused on too focused on geopolitics than kind of a bottom up approach and seeing the human lives lost and whatever it is. Um, it's it's sad to see that this kind of viewpoint, because I think all countries around the world should should approach relations from a bottom up approach. See, okay, what are what are your root problems? What's going on uh, within your communities? And then working up because the only way you're going to develop two countries is if by by people, people yeah. are necessary. Human capital is is necessary. You need good lives. You need people living good lives, and you need people that have 
a lot of access to resources to to develop any any country um but that's kind of that's kind of my take and i'm very uh what i found was interesting was india has accused of some foreign countries harboring sick militants and we saw that in canada yeah um and the nia has been trying to um address the, the sick militants living in other countries and and the more i re- uh, the more i read about that and it's it, it makes me wonder um did modi actually try to eliminate um was he actually uh, unless they proved it by the, by now um that he was involved in the uh, in the assassination of the sikh militant in canada yeah. i don't know if they're ever going to be able to prove it but it's, deny, deny, deny. Yeah, deny, deny, deny. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with all those points. And uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say? Or do you want to move on to the big elephant in the room? Yeah, I think we should tackle the big elephant in the room. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is, I'm sure, headlines everywhere. Everyone's been watching what's going on uh, between Israel and uh, Israel and Hamas and the sad sad bloodshed um that is going on for i don't even know what what what, what we're on what time is this how many times has it been uh, this no. uh, too many to count Lost. i mean 2014 yeah 2021 2007 i mean how many? yeah it's tragic just yeah but on october 7th hamas orchestrated one of the most kind of biggest deception attacks on israel since i think it was they said yom kippur yes yeah, since Yom Kippur and Israel has been totally left off guard. And the reason Israel has been left off guard is because they never really expected Hamas to attack them. Uh, Hamas orchestrated planned this attack for, for two years, I think, um, from what I read. They planned this for two years, and they've hid all their capabilities um, hitting, to hit Israel, um, which is very impressive um, that Hamas kind of basically lied to the international community and to Israel to say, we're not ready. We're not going to attack because we don't have the resources. And they've yeah. denied the, these kind of, um, these kind of allegations that they're going to attack for two years. They've hit it and they have just been smuggling in weapons into the Gaza Strip, preparing for this attack that we saw. And we were seeing, um, breaches through uh land border breaches they destroyed the the, the land borders and and this and the walls and they went into israel they went by boat and what and what was fascinating was the motorized paragliders they they used motorized paragliders and then they jumped off and parachuted um into israel and they infiltrated civilian areas and residential buildings um israel has responded uh they targeted residential building and mosque, which has further escalated the conflict, and both sides are now targeting civilians, which is unbelievable. On, it is on it's just unbelievable in my mind. It's just it, they think that they, in order to do damage to each other, just hit hit civilian targets. That's yeah. that's the strategy we're at right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's extremely extremely depressing. And what I'm going to give you is the statistics that we have as of the recording, which is ten. 12, October 12th, 2023. So Hamas lost over 2,000 missiles to Israel's Iron Dome. Uh, the divergent around the assaults uh, was a concert, uh, uh, was a ground invasion, which hit concerts and a bunch of other civilian targets, killed over 260. Um, Hamas has captured many civilians, including over 100 uh, hostages held uh, 
and uh, 20, I think seven of those are Americans as of now. Uh, there has also 22. been 2022. 20, 22 Americans are dead. Oh, 22 Americans are dead. Yeah, 27 have are, yeah. Still, are in hostage uh, mm-hmm. situations. Uh, 1,500 um, Hamas have already been killed. 1,300 Israelis have already been killed. 950 people in Gaza have been killed. And so, like I said, these are statistics just of today is of October 12th. So these are unfortunately going to get much higher. Israel has mobilized over 300,000 groups to the Gaza border. And so this is going to be a full-scale invasion, ground invasion of Gaza. We're going to see, uh, for the, the second time in, in two years, the second time in two years, urban warfare uh, at the heat of two very strong armies. I mean, obviously, we know Russia, but Israel is very strong, capable military. And so this is going to be a bloodbath, going to be dangerous. The United States is behind Israel, urging them not to kill civilians. Uh, but they do, obviously, the international community respects Israel's right to defend itself from this terrorist organization. Does defending themselves consider just blowing up anything? For urban warfare to work, they have to level buildings in order to get their tanks through because tanks are not well equipped in urban warfare. It's very hard to get tanks through. So it's it, I, defense, defending each other, that involves defending one side. So Israel defends their country and Hamas defending the Gaza Strip entails them having to kill civilians, which is, which is, I have no words. Like it's, I'm just sad to see this again and again. Um, but I do want to talk about the leader of, of Hamas and his, his um, kind of strategy and how he has been successful. So the leader was the, the leader of Hamas, Mohammed uh, Deef, I think is how you pronounce it, is Hamas's secretive commander. And he's so secretive that he doesn't come out to meetings. He doesn't meet people. He doesn't, he's very, uh, he's a very low-key leader. He, he doesn't want to, to meet um, officials. He doesn't want to meet his troops. He has been in the dark for two years. And he successfully um, masked uh, Hamas's intentions. Um, and they successfully did it through kind of saying, like, Hamas's focus on economic development in the Gaza Strip. For two years, they've said economic development. This is what we're doing. And he, he called the attack and he did it. So that Israel is on the lookout for Mohammed Deef, but he's he's so hidden um, in plain sight that you can't, no one's going to find him. And if they do, then they can't, let's say Israel does get to Mohammed Deef. Does that mean Israel's going to stop or are they going to keep going until they eradicate all of Hamas? I mean, and so. That's yeah, that's a great point. I mean, officials have already ordered a complete siege of Gaza, and mm-hmm. you know the United States has ordered Eisenhower or the USS Gerald Ford, and they might be sending the USS Eisenhower uh, to the right. Israeli uh, borders on the sea to give be a potential support in this killing. The international community right now is faced, you know, with two ongoing large conflicts. At the moment, there's many other sub conflicts that are going on in the world's 
which, you know, here in NGF we try to cover. But these are two of the largest ones. These are two grounded nations that are going to have countless amounts of lives. This this particular one is a little bit more dangerous in this situation because there's two million people in a very small area. And what Russia wants is to take back Ukraine and keep Ukrainian people in. What Israel seems to want right now is the complete annihilation of Palestinians. I th- that is, and don't, don't, this is not a for sure thing. I do not know exactly what Netanyahu does want, but he has repeatedly and explicitly said that Israel is at war, that we are not going to stop until hostages are let go. And Hamas is a terrorist group. They're not going to let go hostages for no reason. They're not going to just let mm-hmm. go of them for no reason. So the reality is, is that this war that's is going to kill Palestinian civilians. Hamas doesn't want Israel to exist. Israel's tried to negotiate for a long time with the Palestinians, and now they feel that the Palestinians have not gone up and stood up against Hamas. And so what's the next logical solution? Well, to get rid of them. And so a lot of the international community is afraid that this is the step that Israel is going to take. They're going to take the drastic measure in just completely annihilating the Gaza Strip and and ethnically cleansing uh, Palestinians. That's the fear of the international community. So where does the international community go to step in to make sure that this doesn't happen? And how can we stop the bloodshed in the future? I think the international community should do the first thing, and then that's addressing Israel's far-right government. Um, the issue with the far-right government is they've always wanted um, Israel to... They, they, didn't want, they don't want a, a Palestinian state. They don't want a two-state solution. As much as Netanyahu said we're going to look into a two-state solution, there was never any progress throughout his, his, uh, his presidency. I, I don't remember once. And the only time the two-state solution was brought up was during normalization talks with Saudi Arabia, where uh, Netanyahu said he will look into it, and he offered no, no additional comments on that. So the first step to addressing the bloodshed is to address Israel's far-right government, because what, what breeds extremism is extremism on the other side. So extremism on the left will, will be bred by extremism on the far right and vice versa, of course. Um, but I think, because we can't negotiate with Hamas, they will never listen to the West, but we do have a chance at having Netanyahu come to, to the uh, discussion board and saying, listen, we understand you're pissed, but we still need to go forward with this two-state solution. I mean, even, even before this all happened, um, the Gaza Strip was... The Gaza Strip was basically chokehold, was held chokehold um, from water, from food and, and medical supplies um, before even Hamas uh, attacked Israel. And, and these kind of like and these these blockades, these these chokeholds on the Gaza Strip is what stems issues. And this is what stems Hamas wanting to destroy Israel. And but that's not also to address Iran, which Iran also funds. Um, they they have denied. Uh, Iran has denied that they've been involved with the attack in Israel, but it's very clear that they've they they have supplied them weapons and the means um, to get this done. It's just where would Hamas get these kind of kind of weapons? Um, so Iran, which backs Hamas, also needs to be addressed in this case, of course. 
um, in order to chokehold uh, Hamas and to cut off their supplies um, to put them back. But with Netanyahu, he's not, he doesn't want to, well, he, he is going to address Hamas, but he's going to go further than that. And that's going to cause more problems within the Middle East should he continue um, to try to prevent Palestine from now being um, its own kind of, its own state. And there's been, since Israel was first drawn up, the, the push against the Palestinians has always been continuous. Um, and they push them out over time. And I've, I've, saw, I've seen this graphic where um, you see Israel and then uh, the formation of Israel and then the Palestinians and how they're kind of like, uh, and how the, 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 the borders have shifted over time. But that's not to say that um, we need to also talk with the Palestinians as well. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in not picking sides. And I, as hard it is, it is um, in a polarized world that we live in today. I think we need we need more we need to we need more people who who are willing to let go of their emotions and look at the solution, look at the problem itself, and get to the solution to the problem without letting emotions um, take place. That's going to be a very difficult issue, um, and. You know, to see what the international community is going to do, there's there's a lot of... So the, you're right, the first thing they have to do is address Netanyahu. He has been very... He's been a big issue, a problem in, in finding a peaceful, full solution. Um, his, his militarization of Israel has, you know, sparked fears within the Palestinians, uh, especially over in the West Bank, because the West Bank has checkpoints. And so what the Gaza are seeing with the Palestinian Authority... They are seeing a weak government that's not able to protect Palestinians. So the Hamas obviously took advantage of that in 2007 when they came into power. And since then, I've been in mm -hmm. power. And they continue to see that. The Gaza Strip does not have checkpoints, Israeli checkpoints. It is separated between a wall. They leave them to what they want to do in Palestine, and the Israelis do their thing over on the Israeli border. Now, what the international community can do at the moment is not much. All they have to do is walk right now and make sure that Israel uh, does not go too far. Because the first question, the first thing is, is that Hamas is a terrorist organization. They committed atrocities. They have killed and cut the heads off of women and children. They have killed over 200 civilians. They have hundreds in hostage. They are to blame for this immediate attack in this immediate war and Israel has the war right to respond. That's A. But mm -hmm. B, Israel has done bad, many bad things over the past decades to the Gaza Strip including uh, terrorizing citizens and, and jailing citizens in the Gaza Strip and, and especially the West Bank for no reason. Well, there is, like you said, two sides to this story, and both have not come to the table to create a solution. Now, I want to look at a different angle here. You brought up Iran. Now, Saudi Arabia and Iran had just created, just reestablished diplomatic ties. Iran has said that we have not given any money, and we're not aware that Hamas are going to plan this attack. Uh, most intelligence has said uh, and most officials have said that this is true, that Iran has had no idea, and there's, there, Iran has no affiliation. 
But the relationship with Saudi Arabia and Iran is important because of their established diplomatic ties. Saudi Arabia, when Saudi Arabia trying to create normalizations between the Middle East and Israel, this Saudi Arabia has a unique position to have negotiations with Iran, who's going to negotiate with Hamas to potentially have a stand down, a ceasefire. And if we can negotiate with Israel to have a ceasefire, maybe, just maybe, renegotiations of a two-state solution or a potential any solution can come to the table. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with that. And I think we should look beyond the two-state solution. I think we should look at, um, and I, this might sound crazy, right? But we should look at a three-state solution. And I, we, we had this discussion before, but I want to bring it up for the viewers. Uh, a three-state solution would entail Israel, Palestine, and then Jerusalem as its own entity. What this means is Jerusalem, which lies, which kind of lies between the West Bank and Israel, have both uh, religious claims to, to Islam and to, uh, to the Jews as well. Having this as its own kind of entity similar almost like the vatican right but there is no leader it is a international i would say i wouldn't say international territory it'd be its own kind of state um to which both jews and muslims can practice because they lay claim um to it and it'd be a sort of shared it'd be a religious territory correct and it i think something like this would be essential to to bring up. I don't know how realistic the solution is, but I think it would be good to have, as you said, should there be a ceasefire negotiation, be be kind of be brought up, in my opinion. No, that, that and, and that's a great point because, like I like I said, Saudi Arabia is in a very unique position where they have diplomatic ties and they were also trying to create diplomatic ties between Israel. So what? Again, they can have Iran negotiate with Hamas in the West Bank because the Palestinian Authority is not a problem. The United, the United States, Israel, and, and the Palestinian Authority have created uh, a mutual agreement. Now, Israel needs to back off a little bit and stop having checkpoints and harassing citizens. Right. Uh, so that's that's part of the discussion that needs to be happened. But so that I think could be a very viable solution. Problem is. Getting rid of Hamas. Hamas is a very large terrorist organization, and they have control over the Gaza Strip. So that's going to be the biggest issue. So Iran, he's going to honestly and unfortunately be a key player in negotiations if they want to have a ceasefire and stop the violence, because they are the ones that have the closest relationship with Hamas. Uh, because the only other place that has a close relationship is, is Hezbollah, and we don't want not negotiate with terrorists, so that's not going to happen. And so Iran, Iran has a very unique position, and Saudi Arabia has a unique position. Problem is, is that Netanyahu, again, go back to his far-right government, is so militarized, and, and, and he does not want to negotiate at all anymore. He says, he said, uh, you can read this, I think, on Reuters or BBC. He said, that we have negotiated for years. Now is the time that we're going to war because they are not, we can't negotiate with them anymore. And that's as paraphrasing. Well, what is he negotiated in the first yeah, place? It, that's, it blows my yeah. mind. He has specifically, but prior leaders have. So his 
and that his view is that negotiations have happened. They haven't. They haven't worked. So now, when a terrorist attack happens, now we have to basically do it our way and use military force. And so, this is going to be very difficult. But getting all parties to the table: the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, Iran, Saudi Arabia, the United States, the United Kingdom. I would even argue bringing China to the table in this regard. Uh, just to have someone who's kind of, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the word neutral, uh, lightly, but I'm going to use the word neutral, who maybe discuss a solution and a potential ceasefire, but that's not going to happen for months, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, we need immediate, we need an immediate discussion, almost like an emergency meeting between these two countries. And Middle East is, it has been relatively peaceful. But uh, we need a fully peaceful Middle East um, to be. It's a it's an integral part for globalization, a, a peaceful Middle East. And with Israel Palestine, this will throw off um, relations in the Middle East, and it will throw off kind of the path towards globalization as well. Because now you'll have uh, this idea of religious divide. It will be the Muslims versus the West, and this is this is unacceptable. Um, but I do want to go back on uh, what you say. You repeat what you said uh, about the negotiating part, like with Iran and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, there was something. Oh, having Israel, right? Having Israel at the talk would be very difficult. And I think what we should do uh, is threaten them with isolation, right? And, and it's an extreme one, right? It's very extreme. But here's the thing: Netanyahu won't stop, and he's confusing. Uh, he's it, He's confusing Hamas with Palestine, with Palestinians. He sees this as an as a time as a power grab opportunity, not just to eliminate Hamas, but to also address the Palestinian question and take as much territory as possible to make it Israel. So there there needs to be some sort of of punishment to say, listen, you need to stop confusing Hamas with innocent Palestinians. And to say, if you do not come to these negotiating terms, then this will happen. And we will bar you from support, from military support. And and what, what really annoys me is these countries that are coming out in solidarity with Israel, which I get, diplomatically I get. But is it, they're not seeing the bigger picture, which is peace in the entirety of the Middle East. They are, they are seeing an Israel-Palestine issue. They're not seeing a Middle Eastern issue. Um, they're not seeing Middle Eastern peace. They're not seeing globalization. There, there are, there were only it was only Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Qatar that have come out as almost neutral, wanting because they want a peaceful Middle East. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it, it, it makes perfect sense. And and the the argument that that Israel has done no wrong, or or is not even in any wrong here. Uh, I think it's false. Uh, yes, we always condemn acts of terrorism, like we said. It is horrible what Hamas has done, but you, you're right that Hamas is not Palestine. They're not. They're not the Palestinian people. They're, they're two different things. They're not an accurate representation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so what Israel, I think, should focus on is eliminating Hamas. Go in, take out the organization top leaders do some damage, and then go back to the negotiation table with new leaders in Palestine. Don't overcommit. And the United States needs to really focus on that. Blame, 
no, Blinken, when he met with Netanyahu uh, today, I believe, uh, it, it was either today or yesterday, uh, discussed with him that you, know, you cannot go too far. If you start to continue harming civilians, we're not going to, I don't think he said we're not going to support you, but he gave the notions. And the international community needs to do the same. Because if we keep pushing Israel too far, the Palestine, Palestinians will cease to exist. And that is an issue that we need to, to understand. Yeah, um, I think that's about it yeah. for for me on my end. If you have anything uh, else to add, no, I do not. But uh, but uh, here at NGF, what we're going to say is that we condemn any and all acts of violence. What happens to the civilians of Israel by Hamas was tragic. Uh, what's happened over the past hundreds of years has been tragic uh, in this area, and uh, we just hope. That a solution uh, can be made. I fully agree with your statement. Um, but other than that, uh, there will be a weekly watch uh, article coming out on this. Um, we encourage you all to read it um, and offer us feedback um, on our on all articles. Um, please provide us feedback on our social medias wherever wherever you want to reach out to contact us. So, but thank you all for listening into this week's latest global developments, and we'll see you in the next one.